Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode on the Influential Personal Brand. I'm super excited today because I get to interview a newer friend. And as you guys know, if you guys listen to the podcast, you know that we do not accept pitches very often. In fact, we have only accepted three pitches in the history of the Influential Personal Brand. And Nora happens to be one of those individuals. So I'm going to introduce you to Nora. And today is really special for three reasons. One, I'm getting to know Nora kind of at the same time that you are. So all of the questions I'm going to be asking are super out of my own curiosity of going, tell me more, tell me more. I want to learn more about this. But two, Nora is the creator and co-founder of this really amazing product called Hello Audio. And it's all about consumption rates and engagement with audio, which if you're listening to this, you're already in the mix, right? So this is really, really important. And really what we're going to answer is, why are you not getting the consumption and engagement rates that you want and you need with audio? And then thirdly, Nora self-admitted that she doesn't get to talk much about her personal brand. And so this is also a really cool invitation of not just getting to learn about some really cool things with content consumption and engagement and her awesome company, but I'm also generally just so excited to get to know you and why did you create this and what's your backstory? I love hearing stories like this. So if you're listening, stick around. This is going to be an energy and content-packed episode. Now on a, a very high professional level, I will read Nora's bio for you, but just really quickly. (laughs) So Nora Sadith is the co-founder of Hello Audio, which is a leading marketing and conversion strategist who has helped businesses sell over $500 million of products and services online. I also think what is super special In addition to all of the strategy and types of clients that she's worked with, these are Fortune 50. These are multimillionaire individuals. She's got a SaaS product. She's got so many cool things going on. But one of the things that I loved learning most is that she left corporate. She had a very cushy, high-paying job in corporate and decided to leave that to do something that's Who knows where it would go? Who knows if anyone would buy it? But you took that really big leap that often holds others back. And so with that, welcome to the show, Nora. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. And so I want to continue that conversation. I want to get to know you more in our brief conversations. I haven't got to hear this part of your story. And I know our audience is many people who listen to this are in this transition of, you know, do I keep doing what I'm doing or do I really go for it? Right. Do I really like go out on that limb, jump off the cliff and do what I feel like I was put on this planet to do or do I stay comfortable, right? Do I play it safe? And I just keep doing the thing that I'm doing, but you, you took the leap, like you left it and you started Hello Audio. So I want to know the story. How did, how did you do it? Why did you do it? Like, how did you get to where you are? 
Oh, I love it. So I did. I took that traditional path to success or what we were taught, right, is that traditional path. I have a handful of college degrees, right? I started in computer science before there were many women in computer science. So I've got that degree. I've got an MBA. I've got a master's degree in engineering. And I did. I, I started that that corporate kind of path and that corporate climb. And what I realized, and I didn't, I'm not one of those folks that hated corporate. I had great experiences. I learned. I've worked with so many different businesses, even, you know, exact target before they sold to Salesforce, before they had a successful exit. I've worked with so many amazing humans along the way. And so as I climbed, I would say up that ladder, I think I got further away from what one of my core values is, and I am obsessed with client success. I mean, it is it is one of my core tenants. It, it's something as as I as you climb that corporate ladder, and this is in many corporations, especially if you work for large corporations, you tend as you climb, you get further away from the end user or that that end customer. And I think I just started to feel like things were a little flat, right? And and not that I was miserable and, you know, needed to escape. I mean, I, I think I was doing quite well. Obviously the salary was there, you know, had, had a great salary and all the things. And yet I just felt like something was missing. And, and as I was going through my personal life at this time, I'm actually adopted. And so for me, family is, is everything because I almost didn't have a family, right? I almost didn't have that. And so at, at the time, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and I knew that our time was limited. And after he passed away, it's just like, you know, we all have those moments in our lives where we have that realization of, you know, life is short and am I doing what I really want to do? is this an opportunity for me to reassess some of those decisions and and to like you said stay comfortable which there was there would have been nothing wrong if i would have stayed you know in that trajectory and kept going or do i want something else and so i think that was one pivot point for that kind of helped me wake up if you will and maybe jarred me a little bit to rethink things and the other thing that was happening was at that point when my dad passed away, I had a little kindergartner. My oldest was in kindergarten. She is now in high school and getting her license, which is crazy. So time has definitely jumped here. And I've been doing this for a while. But at the time, she just she was obsessed with the school bus. I want to take the school bus home. And I'm like, I am at the office until six o'clock. Like you can't take the school bus home. No one is home at 235 when that school bus is coming home. And so she just was like, I want to take the school bus home. And I'll tell you, I was sitting in a corporate meeting and there was a lot of meetings in corporate. And so I think this was one of, of many. And I just felt frustrated. I was feeling that sense of not being happy. And, and I, you know, some women collect shoes and handbags. I collect domain names. So I probably have like 600, over 600 domain names at the time. And my husband. Oh my I gosh. Can't help it. The amount of GoDaddy renewal fees oh, that actually come across my my credit you card. You don't want to total, and when you total it up for your taxes, you're like, oh my gosh, I need to sell. So, and I have sold some, awesome. I've made some, but still, yes, it's not. I don't know if it's any healthier than a shoe obsession, quite frankly. It might, it's probably a lot more expensive. But as I said in that meeting, and I bought the domain fthemeeting.com. I still own that domain, but I was like, wow, what that? And, and as I look back, I'm like, what energy. That is like, if that's where I really was in life, and I knew it was a lot of things happening. So I left that day and I allowed my daughter to take the bus home. 
And so she took, and I met her at the corner and the bus came and her, the joy that she was filled with as she came off that school bus, granted, even a kindergartner, she was so excited. And I thought, you know what? I want more of that. Yeah, I want more of that. And so I started putting things in place to plan that exit. And, and, And I'll say this for anyone that is in that situation, I think one of the biggest mistakes or one of the biggest things we're told when we look for a business opportunity, right? There's a lot of folks that want to sell you a biz op, right? There's lots of different types, lots of different things. But where I think I had the most success in terms of that transition and that exit was I started with my existing reach. I didn't just build a product or create a service and then wonder how to get in front of people because I think that stops a lot of folks. I think one of the biggest things I did correctly was I started with my existing reach. I didn't just say, okay, there's this internet out there, this black box, who the heck knows who's in it, but they're my clients. I don't know them yet, but they're clearly who I need. And instead of doing that, I was like, no, who are the people already around me? Who are the people that already that already know me, that already trust me? And you know what that looks like? We we forget our real life connections. And I know things have changed, you know, post pandemic and all the things. But I, I looked at okay, I was going through my Taekwondo. I went and got my first degree black belt in Taekwondo with my daughter. I'm like the studio, all the people there, they're in my network. Think about your professional network. Think about your personal network. Think about the stores you go to each and every day, the clubs that you're a part of, the memberships that you're a part of. We don't, we overlook all of these people that are in our existence, and we're like. Oh, I don't I don't have an audience. I didn't have an email list when I started. I had existing reach and every single person listening to this, you have your existing reach. And so I started there and I was like, you know what? I'm looking at what I can do for people and the results because I'm a very, like I said, I'm obsessed with client results. So what can I do for folks knowing my expertise, knowing my experience? And then I looked at my existing reach and I looked at what where where that intersection was. Now, I didn't worry about like, well, what if I don't want to serve this audience five years from now, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't like, you might not, and that's okay, but that doesn't need to prevent you from taking the steps forward, from taking it step by step by step and looking at your existing reach and saying, how can I serve these people? And that's how I started. So that was how I ultimately got to the point where, yes, I was doing the side hustle in the evenings and on the weekends and before work, right? Everyone's like, yeah, you have a nine to five. Well, I didn't have a nine to five. I felt like I had a seven to six. And then I was, you know, doing things after the kids went to bed or in the morning before they woke up or on the weekends when they went down for naps or all the things because I had a, I had a younger one as well at that time. So I had two and I I looked at that and I said, that's the that's the path. It's just step by step. But I think one of the biggest takeaways for me there is start with your existing reach. And that's ultimately so step by step by step. I put those things in place and I was ultimately able to leave that corporate position and I created a marketing agency of my own. And that was my first step into entre- and I didn't stay there, but that's how I initially stepped from corporate into this entrepreneurial space. Oh, I love that. There are so many gems and even your story of, you know, I already wrote down like two things and this is, we're so aligned in this. And I know that we don't know each other all that well at this point, but I like one of my life mantras is that you do not have to have millions of followers to make millions of dollars. Yes. And we, we try to like instill this and it's a great reminder to everyone who's listening is that just start with the one. Yes. Like, 
And it's, it's a weird thing because offline, right. And our actual real circle of people we see every day, if we knew that we impacted one person's life, that would be, we would be so fulfilled and content with that. It would mean something, but yet if we only have one, like, or one share or one comment online, we somehow think it's a failure. Absolutely. It's uh, the online digital nature somehow often minimizes the impact of a changed life. And I love that we talk so much about your offline reputation, your offline strategy as much as your online. I love that. I love that so much. And I love too that you said, it's like the path is always step-by-step, right? You may not be doing this in five years, like focus on what's the next step. So you went from marketing agency. So you left corporate yes. and had your own agency. So then I'm so curious to know, is like, how did you go from that to Hello Audio? And then also tell everyone like, what is Hello Audio? So what was the path of creating a, a SaaS product? And how did you get to where you are now? Absolutely. So I had that marketing agency and I grew that marketing agency agency to multiple six figures in less than nine months. And it was at that point, and if you have, if you ever had a marketing agency or if you're done, done for you, you either, you have a choice to make. You're either going to grow and you're going to hire more team members, or you're going to kind of stay in that niche kind of boutique kind of space. And, and it's a choice and there's not a right or wrong choice. It's just a choice of what kind of business you want. And around that time where I was making a decision, I had started to use ClickFunnels in my agency because everything was WordPress, right? And then ClickFunnels was brand new at the time. And I mean, brand spanking new. And so I started using it. Russell found out what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I got a Voxer from Russell Brunson. I mean, if I could have captured the look on my face when I got that Voxer from Russell Brunson, and it was like, hey, I think we need to talk. I would like you to rebuild my certification program. And so I was like, well, Okay, right? Like this is so here I am trying to make a decision if I'm going to grow or grow this agency or kind of keep it small. And now I have a third option, which I never suspected, which was shut it down and go work and partner with Russell Brunson and rebuild one of his training programs. And so, you know, talk about what an amazing opportunity. So I, of course, said yes, partnered with Russell, rebuilt that certification program, took that from like 300, about 300,000, a little bit more to like 4.1 million in 18 months, built another seven figure coaching program for Russell. And again, this is because I was so passionate about client success and SaaS, right? I love technology. My first degree was in computer science. So this was a natural fit. And through that work and and reviewing thousands of marketing campaigns and helping just so many people have success with their marketing campaigns, I ended up meeting Lindsay and Derek Padilla, who are the co-founders of of Hello Audio. And, you know, I was actually, both of them are former community college professors who really also genuinely care about student success, right? It's what they do. We all want our students to succeed. And so we had this shared value. We had both started helping folks kind of with their online courses. And really, I was kind of maybe more focused on the marketing and sales piece of trying to help your digital products grow. And Lindsay was helping folks help essentially become a better teacher online. And so it was such an amazing partnership and a a relationship that started there. And then it was Derek that kind of said, hey, people don't finish. Like the stats are there. They're not finishing online courses. What can we do to help? And that's how Hello Audio started. So it came from 
both of us, all three of us actually being so passionate about our, our students having success and knowing that consumption was getting in the way, which sounds silly, but depending on the study you read, it can be like 3% or maybe I've seen a few that say up to 20% of courses get consumed or content is consumed and people, when they don't consume your content, they don't get the results. And so that's actually how Hello Audio started. The original product name was Podcast Your Course. And so as we look at, okay, what does that look like? What are you talking about, Nora? Like, what's this podcast thing? Isn't like, right? Most people are familiar with public podcasts, right? If you're listening to this, you already know this is an amazing public podcast. And so if you think about the way public podcasts are structured, most people are like, they assume you have to have a show, it's updated daily or weekly, and it's open to the general public, right? As, as a public podcast, anyone can subscribe. Private podcasts, on the other hand, are a little different. They look and feel like a normal pod podcast, right? They still, you can play them in your favorite podcast app, your favorite podcast player of choice. But as, a, as the content owner, as the content creator, you get to choose who gets access to that. So now you could actually put some gated content, whether it's your opt-in or whether it's your course or other paid content. Now it's not, it kind of changed a little bit about what it, what it means to be a podcaster you can now have a podcast without having a show. You're just using podcasts as a communication channel and you're meeting people where they're already at. Because as we look at the numbers, millions of North Americans are listening to audio content in their podcast app each and every week to the point where the hours consumed are actually rivaling the number of hours that were consumed in Netflix every single wow. week. So I'm thinking... Why are we not meeting people where they're already at? Your audience is already in their podcast apps listening to content. Why aren't they listening to you? And so that is how we originally started Hello Audio. And then the use cases just grew from there. So, okay, there's like, I could go like 15 different ways right I now. Know, I know, things. So one of the things you said is that consumption, right? The data around the consumption was like yes. a real problem that you guys could solve. So I would just love to hear your feedback, whether that's just your own personal opinion, or if it's more scientific, whatever you've got, why? Why do, because I think, I think this is the same, how, it doesn't matter if it's a course or whatever. It's like, we do the same thing with books. Like how yes. many books are sitting on my bookshelf that I bought with great intentions? Like, oh, one day, right? Same thing with courses. And then, then there's other books where I'm like, no, I must finish this, right? And so I'm so curious, like what is the data around consumption with courses and online content and why do you think that is? You know, it's fascinating. As I look at it, and it varies, the percentage, it's fascinating to look at, is it just the login that we're requiring people to log in? I look at the work involved and the effort involved. And this is kind of back to anything that we offer for sale, right? I look at their belief. So that consumer needs to believe that it, by doing the work or by participating in their own success, they're going to get a result. So that level of certainty needs to be a certain level, I think, for people to engage. Like it, it, whether it's a book, I believe I'm going to enjoy this. So the level of certainty, I think the higher that is, the more likely they are to engage. So, and by the way, they're they're a lot more likely to buy your stuff. <laughs> if we can if we can actually increase the, the likelihood that they're gonna get the result or the perceived likelihood, right? The perceived level of certainty that they're going to get the result. So that's one thing I, I would say. And then I would say the other thing is ease and convenience, wow. right? So, if, and there's three things. So the second thing is ease and convenience. So, I mean, it's not rocket science. If you make it easier for people to consume your stuff, 
they're going to be more likely to consume it. And so the cool part about using private podcasts is they're protected, right? Each, so if I give you an access to a private podcast, that link is actually tied to your specific email address. And as soon as you click that link and load it in whatever your favorite podcast app is, that link dies, which means you can't share that with other people, which means that content stays protected. And yet, it's so convenient for you to play it anytime, anywhere when we're not sitting here at the screen. So if you think about what audio does, it unlocks all of the hours of the day that mm-hmm. you can reach your ideal person or your customer or your student, whatever that looks like for you when they're not sitting at a computer. And I'll tell you, especially post-pandemic, people don't really want to spend that many hours sitting at the screen. And so you're giving them that option. Let them listen to you while they're walking the dog, while they're sitting in the carpool line, while they're taking a walk. That's to me, like ease and convenience allows for greater consumption. If you make it a lot more difficult, and that also is the medium too, right? If, if you're doing like a 60 some page ebook, or, or, like that's going to go to the graveyard of PDFs. We all have one. <laughs> we all know it's there. I have multiple. I've got Dropbox and Google yeah, Drive and all, these all the things. Papers, and I'm like, oh, when am I going to ever have time to get through four no. pages? You're, no, you're and, you, and with good intentions, you were interested in the topic. We all raise our hand and we're like, that sounds cool. But you know what? That's a lot of work. Yep. And I'm not going to get to that. And so and then, so that would be the second thing, easing convenience and, and dovetailing into the, the third and final one here, I would say is time. Time is money. We pay to shortcut our path to success. And so if I look at your content and I think this is going to take me hours to get through or, you know, I, if I can't fit it in to the time pockets that I have in my day or in my life, that's just going to be really a lot more challenging for me to consume. And so if I look at for whatever content you're putting out there, this is fulfillment content for your courses or your coaching program or you know your book, or if I'm looking at your marketing content, I'm talking about your webinars, I'm talking about your summit presentations, all the cool stuff you're doing when it comes to creating content. If I can make it easier and more convenient to consume, if I can shortcut the path to success, and, and and allow folks to get like reduce the time to, to value as is another kind of term to reduce the time to value. And if I can increase the perceived likelihood that they're going to get the result that we're promising or that your content is promising, that level of certainty, you're gonna see engagement go up. Those three things I think are critical in order to see your engagement and consumption rates go up. Oh, I love that. There's so much like I wrote just like the I wrote four. I made one up or I heard one extra. I love it. It's okay. Bonus. I love this. I think this is so powerful for anyone who is listening, who is a content creator of any, of any type, whether it's written or video or audio, but four things to increase consumption. One, make it enjoyable. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like, I'm not going to do it if I don't like it. If it, if it's hard, right. I don't want it. I gotta want it. So make it enjoyable. And I think a huge part of doing that is the combination of uh, the story, right? The emotional parts. It's like, I think about some of the, my favorite, and this, uh, I always think about this. Some of my favorite books are also my least favorite keynote speeches. Yes. And it's like (laughs) the content is so good and the stories are so good in the book. But then when you hear the speaker, I'm like, what happened? (laughs) You know? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, it's weird because it like doles the value. And all of a sudden this great content, I'm like, all I can think about is how horrible that 60 or 90 minutes was. So it's like, make it enjoyable. It's got to be somewhat 
right? Edutaining, right? The yes. combination of well, that. And to, to that point, exactly. Most people think the only way they can add value is to give more information. And that's not true. You can add value by being entertaining and by being insightful. Like there's, it's, you can do more, you can add value more ways than just more information. Absolutely agree with that. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. That's a great takeaway if you're listening is like more information does not equal more value. No. That's really important. Right. Write that down, people. Number two. So the first thing was make it enjoyable. Number two, increase the likelihood of results. So tell people what are the results you're going to get if you complete this? Like, that's really important. Like how many of us buy something going, I hope this has the answer. Yeah. Let's pray. Hopefully it'll work. I need you to, I need to know that it's in there. Right. So increase the likelihood of results. I love that. Three, make it easy to use. I want to come back to this one because I have a question for you about this one. Sure. And then the last one is reduce time to value. Right. Like, I think that we do the same thing where it's like, well, I'm going to make it eight hours and 165 (laughs) pages because then it'll be worth the dollar. No, no, it's just not going to get consumed. That's what's going to happen. But it's like, we do that all the time. It's like these whole value ladders are built on and you get this and you get this and you get this. And it's interesting because sometimes I'm going, what am I going to do with all that? (laughs) Like, when am I going to have time for this? Or what is this? Or then we buy it. And this is how I feel often. And it actually decreases the value because I only yes. use one part of it. And I'm like, well, I paid for all of this mm-hmm. and this is all that I used. Absolutely. And what a counterintuitive thing to be thinking of like, no, less is more. Actually, less is more. Yep. If you make it enjoyable, increase likelihood of results and you decrease time to value. I would spend twice as much money. Like if you were selling, and this is just for anyone who's listening, if I'm in your target audience, right? If you were going to sell me a course, here's how you would sell it to me. Get everything you need to know in the next 60 minutes. Yes. Amen. I would, I would pay five <laughs> times the amount of money versus it's like, this is a 16 hour course oh. with, and I'd be like, no, thank I you. I couldn't pay enough money to do that. Can I pay to have someone do that for me? <laughs> Can, is there an, that an option? Can you just give me the cliff notes? Can you tell yes. me what you learned in a 15-minute coffee? That would be great. Where's the summary? I need the cliff notes, please. But I think those are like really important things of like, we get it wrong. We try to add and add and add and add. And really what that's doing is it's like when people get in there and they don't use it, then they think they've wasted all this money. Yes. When really the core thing, if we would have just kept the main thing, the main thing, we could have added even increase the price tag because it doesn't it's not going to take you that long to get there that's right because Ooh, time they value that. that time they value that time and, and to your point you should know mm. your primary currency so i like to talk about like what's the big promise of your product or the thing 
or even if it's a free training video, you still have to sell that thing. It is still a free offer. What is the primary currency? What? Okay, it doesn't matter if people are sending you their email address and then you're giving them back something in return or if they're giving you cold, hard cash. Doesn't matter. There's still a currency exchange happening here. This is a great exercise if you're listening to this. I love doing this. You have a column for increase and a column for decrease. And I want you to think about what is that thing, the training, the product, the course, your workshop, your book, what are all the ways it can increase something in their life or in their business and decrease? And I want you to try to be as specific as possible. If you can put a timeline on that, because we just know time time is, is key here. People pay for that shortcut to, shortcut to success. So do you help them 2X their revenue in six months? Do you help reduce or decrease churn in their companies in the next 90 days? Whatever that is for your business, try to think of it and articulate it in a currency exchange. Because that way, if you look at, and and chances are, I'm sure all of the folks listening to this, you're all amazing. You can do more than one thing for people. There's probably, you're going to do this exercise. You're probably going to have 20 different things that you can increase or decrease in someone's life or business. The key is to understand what's the primary one that they care the most about. What's the one that they're going to pay the most for? That's how you're going to be able to monetize your expertise in in a very scientific kind of a way. Oh, that's so good. And it's like, that's really a short list of answers, really. Yes. I mean, it's like most people are going to pay to get more time. They're going to pay to make more money or they're going to pay to have more fulfillment. Yes. Less stress. Less stress. More, More ease. Right. I mean, yeah, you can go on and on, but if, I love the idea of like, oh, they're actually giving me something and I'm giving them something in return. And the clearer I can be about what it is and why it's so valuable, the easier it is to be able to sell. That's so good. Do you feel like that translate into copy as well? It does. Oh my God. That is your, I mean, to me, that's copywriting gold. I would say that exercise. And then the other exercise I always recommend for copywriting is you have to get into the mind of your consumer and write down all of the potential problems they think they could have and all of the ways that you're providing a solution for those problems. It's like problem solution exercise, even if you think it's crazy. Like I don't, and there's honestly, if you go through this, there's going to be some pretty common ones. I don't have time. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't believe this is going to work for me because I'm special or my business is special or I have this special circumstance. Like there's very common ones that come up. But if you can be able to, you know, those going into your marketing and sales campaigns, then your copy addresses them directly. I think those two exercises, the currency exchange, and then I would say your prospect problem list and your solution list is going to be the two biggest things you can do to improve your copy. Ah, so good. And keep it short. Right. Yeah. You know, with that time Simple. to read your novel emails, no. uh, I had to write a text. This is so funny. One of my newer friends who is uh, helping me break into the sport, sports world, her name is Ashley. And she's like, I'm not really good at email. I'm traveling all the time. So just can you text me all these things? And I'm like writing this text and I get down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm I've just written the longest text ever made on planet earth. And I literally, I sent it and I said, and now I know you'll never read this. So I'm going to have to send an email that is a third of this length. And it was like, like as I'm writing it, I'm so annoyed with myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I still typing? Why is this so long? Why is this taking so much time? But it's so true. It's like, if I have to scroll, I just go, I'll do it later. Yep. 
I have to do it. It's got to stay above the fold, right? I think those those are so good. Okay, so I want to come back to this really quick thing. I literally could probably spend another hour talking to you. This is such a great oh, conversation, I love this. Nora. So ease of use. How do yes. you make it easier for people to use? So I want to answer that. And then I'm so sensitive of the time. I also then want to go out. Like, I want people to understand like what is Hello Audio and really dive into this concept of a private podcast. Because at least to me, that's a really newer term, right? And it's this gated content, but like, how does this help? So, okay. So first ease of use, and then let's talk about private podcast. Yes. Ease of use. So I will say even from a Hello Audio perspective, as we were building this tool, yes, it's important in SaaS, but I would argue it's important in anything that people buy, but SaaS specifically, why do people not buy software? Because they have a perception that it's going to be a pain in the butt. They have a perception that it's going to take them a long time to incorporate it into their business. A lot of money. And yeah, it, 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 yeah, for depending on where you're coming from, a lot of money. It's really the, the ability to kind of speed up that time to value, reduce the time to value, speed up that success path because you're making it easy for them to do. And so what other, doesn't matter. That's why we see, for example, authors when there's like the PDF version of your audiobook or the, the book, and then you have the audiobook. Tend to, if we look at comparisons, a lot of times your conversions on the audiobook will be higher because it's easier to consume, right? right? So if we look at your course, is it, are you making it easy to get through? Meaning are lessons maybe two hours long or are you chunking them up with very specific kind of headlines or very specific targeted engagements? If you're a coach and you do coaching calls, are you putting those replays in a locked membership site where you're not providing timestamps or how can you make it easier for people to get through the content or to take the action. So whenever I'm building an online course, I look at, all right, what's the information they need? What are the actions that they need to take? And what is the support that I can provide or that they're going to need to take those actions? Every single step of the way, how can I make it easier for them to consume the information? It's again, not creating 16 hours of content. It's giving them only what they need to take the action. How can I make the action easier to take? Sometimes that's templates. Sometimes it's swipe files. Sometimes it's it's a certain level of support, right? And giving them that, but it's all about making it easier. And with Hello Audio, when we built that, that was actually one of the non-negotiables in building that piece of software is it has to be easy to use. If it's not easy to use, people are not going to use it. So now when we look at 70%, I think it's a little over 70% of our folks that join Hello Audio and, and create their first private feed, they do it in less than a day. They launch their first feed in less than a day. And that isn't a very important metric for our company. Because if our product is not easy to use and they can't get that value quickly, then we've done something wrong. Mm. That's kind of what, what we truly believe. This is so good. So, all right. So I have a personal question for you that sure. so while you were talking, I pulled up Thinkific where we house all of our courses, right? Mm-hmm. So as a part of Brand Builders Group, our membership program, you get access to 14 courses. And so I'm, it's a lot, it's a lot, That's right? Awesome. So I'm going, yeah. hmm. right? So I broke it up and I, so I pulled it in here. And so... This has been a, it's been a hot topic in our company because we have broken everything down into six lessons, right? And at first everyone was like, that's just too many. But the reason we did it is to make it bite-sized. So here's what I'm curious to know is like, do you think the way that we've broken this up is still too long? So there are six lessons and in each of those lessons, we break them up into a training, a hot seat and then a workbook. And so the training is 29 minutes and then the coaching hot seat is 15. Okay. But they're distinct. 
which I love. And I think that, I mean, if I look at a 29 minute training, is that too long? No. And I don't think it's never a number. I always look at the content. Are you giving more information that's necessary? Knowing you no, right? Like you're giving exactly what they need to take the next action and nothing more. Does that mean you don't care about them and that you're like, oh, let me over deliver? No, like you are over delivering by keeping it as tight as possible. And that's what I love. That makes me so happy to hear because if you told me something different, I'm pretty sure my team would have been like, we're done. We quit. No, your team is amazing. (laughs) Your team is amazing. And here's what I will say. Any more ideas in here? That's helpful to know because it's like we spent six months basically reorchestrating this from basically what you said is people are like, it's so long. It's hard prior to doing this. If you add all these up, you know, it's like 12 hours of content. And it's like, we had them when we first started, this is so good for everyone to know, like, don't think just because that's the way you start. That's the way you have to end up. But you know, when we started putting all of our courses in here, they were in two day segments. It's a day one and day two. Those are long days. Those are some long days. Day one was six hours. And then day two was like five hours, right? But that's how it was. And it wasn't until like, we probably just had to have it that way because we have so much curriculum for, it was probably like that way for almost two years before we said, okay, let's start going through our curriculum and how do we break this up? But that took a process of going, what is the best way to break this up? And what is that right amount? And do we include both video and audio or is that too much? And we opted to do both video and audio, right? As a, you know, but it's really interesting of like, even going through this, like we just launched our new version of our course membership just April 1st. So we just got it to the way that we wanted four years later. And here's the thing that I think is fascinating. The content itself has not changed. It's still valid. It still works. Yeah. And I think that's a great reminder to anyone who is listening. It's like, just because you're constantly reinventing and changing doesn't mean the core content has to change. It's just the format, the medium, the duration the delivery mechanisms of it change. This is always a great reminder to me. I'm not sure if you know this, but our first book. So my husband launched his first book, Take the Stairs, which hit number two on the New York Times. We were super grateful, super blessed. It was a really awesome time, but we just celebrated 10 years of that book being out. And here's the funniest thing. Rory does the exact same keynote today that he did 10 years ago when the book launched. When it launched, he was probably charging $7,500. Now his fee is 30. It's the same content. The only thing that is different is the way that he delivers the content. That's it. And I think that's a great reminder to us is you don't have to make new content to make it better. Yes. I, and I love that. And the fact that you're zeroing in on the delivery mechanism, you got to keep in mind, markets evolve. Our habits as consumers evolve. I don't know anyone who's listening to this that does not have a have an ideal customer that is busy. We're all busy. And so while we might, you know, before we would deliver things on like teleseminars, I don't know about you, but the thought of sitting on a phone or having a phone 
for like hours on end, like we used to, you know, granted this is over a decade ago, but that was really popular. We have to continue to evolve our delivery mechanisms and our delivery channels to meet people where they're already at. And that's why I love, and we actually do integrate directly with Thinkific. We have a lot of folks that host their courses on Thinkific and they automatically create private podcasts for courses because it's just the delivery mechanism. Some people will absolutely have time to log in and go through the videos and I would even argue if you even have a visual course, there's still benefit for people listening to where you're taking them because we all know with learning repetition is key. And so when you sit down to watch that video or you sit down, it sounds like when you have your amazing workbooks and people are working through that, they've already heard it. They've heard it once and they know where we're headed or they know where you're taking them. And that can provide a massive difference in terms of the results that your folks get. Mm, I love that. And so you said something that's really fascinating. It's like you can create private podcasts as courses in your membership site. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. With private podcasts, it kind of is, it's interesting that you can create all sorts of podcasts with different content. So we have a lot of teachers and a lot of online educators that use Hello Audio and they podcast their course. They have a private podcast version and Amy Porterfield, who I know you just recently had on, she's a Hello Audio user as well. And so she uses Hello Audio to deliver her DCA content to her her audience because she has a lot of folks that are doing this as a side hustle. She has a lot of folks that are busy. And here's the thing. Her videos are amazing. And she's not trying to replace those videos. She's just making it more convenient and easier for her audience to consume that information so that when they do sit down to do the work, they've already listened to it. They have another option to get the information they need to get the results that they want. So for for me, having it's easy to be able to just drag and drop all your course content and put it into a private feed that is still protected right? That's still very much protected because we all know that you put a lot of hard work into creating your premium courses, right? But it's also other things as well. We We can podcast. So if we look at the coaching calls, this is a great opportunity for coaching calls. You have group coaching calls. How many, and I know we've probably both invested heavily in coaching programs during our careers. How many times have we really logged in and watched that hour plus long Zoom video? Really, for me, hardly ever, right? (laughs) Hardly ever. And and even if I start watching it, I have now opened bazillions of other tabs and I'm doing other things. Yeah, it's just just like, you know, absorb into my brain. Somehow. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Um, So that's so fascinating. So it's like you really create this really cool private feed just for your membership, which is a really added value. The thing I love too, is like you create this gated thing. So once the, the link is clicked, it expires. It It expires. It expires. And and you get to set that time that it expires. You can set it to expire immediately. Or if you want to give folks an hour, because maybe they're like me and they've got a bazillion devices and you want to load it on maybe your iPad and your phone, you can do that as well. But we have it set so that you can choose to expire immediately after it's used. So I'm curious, have you had any use studies on doing this for like private content just for your email list? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love so to hear we, that. we have folks. So we kind of use, if you think about a private podcast almost as the new inbox, right? Mm-hmm. So if your newsletters, we have Tarzan K is one of our, she's an amazing copywriter. Her emails are fantastic, right? Obviously, she's a copywriter. So she makes them, she's a storyteller. They're fantastic. And yet what she does is she'll also read them. And she has a private podcast called Tarzan Reads Her Emails. 
pretty clear what it is, right? And it gives her subscribers a way to consume that content because, well, I mean, I don't know about your inbox. I probably have a lot of, let's just say a lot. I don't want to get skewered. A lot of unread emails in my inbox on a daily basis. Some I probably will never need to read, right? So just to give myself a little bit of an out, but it, it gets more and more crowded. And so this gives her a way to communicate and reach her existing list and in a way that is, it allows her to express her personality. Think about reading that newsletter or reading that email and how different the experience is when you read it and you're listening to that person read it with all of their intonation, their brand voice, right? Now that connection that we have with that person is more intimate and it's stronger because of the, the fact that it's consumed in audio versus doesn't this, there's nothing wrong with that email. That email is amazing, but it now takes our connection and our relationship to a new level. Yeah, well, that's the thing with, you know, whether it's, you know, audio or video, but it's the audio component is like, don't they say that hearing is like one of like the biggest sources of memory of smell and hearing, but it's like one of the things too, it's the thing that's challenging about the written word is that you miss the tone and you miss those interest. I think, you know, it's like we, I try to all the time. It's like, anytime I'm trying to write a heated email, I'm like, delete that. Do not yep. send that. <laughs> That's going to um, not be right. Cause it's like, you always read it in the mood that you're in, not the mood yep. that it was sent, but totally different connotation and tone and feel when you hear someone in the intent that they desire to send yes. it. Very I much love so. this. This is so fascinating. Okay. So last two things, Nora. So what do you want people to know about Hello Audio? Oh, well, Hello Audio is a great way for you to reach your consumers where they're already at. And, and again, we made it easy to use, but even easier to try. So one of the things that we did with Hello Audio is we removed, I know a lot of SaaS companies do this. They ask you to put in that credit card before you try it. We do not. So we have a free seven-day trial, no credit card required to allow you to just experience it. So if you do want to check it out and you're interested in creating a private podcast for any sorts of content that you might already have, go ahead and go to helloaudio.fm and you can try it out for seven days without any requirements. No no credit card requirements. It's just making it super easy. There you go. Ease and convenience, reducing yeah. the friction. Practice what you preach. I'm going to go click on Absolutely. that too. And then last but not least, where can people follow you and learn more about you? Absolutely. You can connect with me at norasuddeth.com or on Instagram at norasuddeth. Oh my gosh, Nora, this was awesome. There is so much richness in this conversation. And it's like, I took an entire page of notes and I'm like trying to pay attention and come up with questions. Like I got to write this down. This is so good. I love this. This was genuinely one of my favorite interviews that I've done. And it's like, like I told you, it's like into the audience, you know, it's like, we usually only have friends on. It is very rare that we would take a pitch that somebody sent us. Um, but I was so fascinated in this that you have been the surprising delight in this conversation. Thank you thank so you. much for giving us your time today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, this has been amazing. I'm so glad we connected. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to learn more. I can't wait to stay connected. I'm so fascinated. And you, this has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, everyone listening. Make sure you stay tuned, come back for the recap episode, and we will see you next time on the Influential Personal Brand.
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 